the occult, the news, and plenty of booze. Welcome to the One Drunk Hole Podcast. Here's your host, Witch Dragon. Hello, everyone. Good morning, good evening. Wherever you are, this is Witch Dragon for the One Drunk one Drunk Hole Podcast. I hope everyone's doing good. And this will be out around July 4th. So, happy 4th of July. Even though it doesn't necessarily feel like anything to celebrate for many of us. I know. But, well, here we are. But let's make the most of it. Because there's always still something to be grateful for. Uh, no. I know. I, I've become one of those people who always tries to find the good in things. Eh, not necessarily a bad thing, it's just, eh, well, hey. It doesn't always feel like that, so, but I'm finally learning how to do that, so, what can I say? Alright, so, I'm going to try and keep it real short on the, as I like to say, the appetizer before we get to the main event. But we also know, I don't make, I don't promise that, but I'm going to try, so. I just want to say this before we get started on everything. And yes, I have an alcoholic beverage to review. I know, it's been a while. And a seltzer beverage, too. Now, again, first I want to say thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing the show. Thank you. That's first and foremost. Also, for anyone who does and will book a reading with me or working Thank you. My email for such is PSIWORK101 at yahoo.com. You can use that same email, by the way, to send me products to review or at least give me suggestions for products to review. So that email is good for both of those things. So, that being said, We have a few things to discuss, and today's show is going to be on what started, or rather, when did Roe v. Wade start? So, we're going to do a show on that. Now, I know I said I was going to do two to four on Pride in the history of of the LGBT+. I did say that. And I may still do a fourth. But we definitely have a third, which, you know... I've been trying to share like crazy, so, again, there's that. So, I may do that, still, I may not. But I probably will, knowing me. But I also want to say, hold on, if I can remember to gather myself here. Ooh, I hope I gather myself here. Okay, I remember now. Sorry about that. Sometimes I'm a little off with people. Alright. Here's... Besides checking my email real quick. Alright, I, I don't see any suggestions yet, but that's alright. However, I know it's going to happen when it happens. So, again, please feel free to use the email to book a reading. Or share or send me some products review. Okay. Now that I repeated that twice, (laughs) 
let's get on with the review. And then we'll get on to chit chat for a minute. And then we'll get right to the main event. Like I said, and I'll say it one more time. Ready for it? Here we go. Now, I'm going to try and keep this show relatively short, but I'm also not going to promise you anything. So, be prepared, be prepared. But let's get on to the fun stuff. Alright, there's enough of me repeating myself for four or five, ten minutes here. Okay, now this week, I now I, this is my first time having Seagram's, Seagram's, or Seagram's, I'm just going to say Seagram's Escapes. I had their peach bellini. Now, first off, now it didn't taste overly sweet, but just sweet enough. It actually did taste like real peaches, you know, and in, in a wine tasting or champagne tasting kind of flavor. It was real crisp. It was real to the point, and it, it really didn't taste overly processed. It, honest to goodness. Honest to goodness, really just tasted real. I don't want to say simple because sometimes when, when someone says simple, it sounds bad, but it just had that natural feel to it as much as anything in this world can nowadays. But it didn't taste overly sweet, just sweet enough. It had a real crisp, clear flavor. I can really taste the peach in it. Which is not always easy in, in wine or liquor, I'll tell you that. Or even drinks like that. It had a, it was sparkly, but not too sparkly. It was peach, but it tasted like peach. Like a real peach almost. It really had that, well, that flavor, frankly. And it made me want to buy, made me really want to buy a whole six pack of it one day soon. Which is why I'm glad I took the one that, the, the, I guess I'm going to say the Lucy one to see if I would like it. But I really do. So I think I might have to get a six pack of that sometime soon. So I really give a two glasses or two thumbs up for that, y'all. Now, as a non-alcoholic drink, this is something new at the store, at least new for me. Aha, or AHA, is a sparkling water. Or basically, I guess they would say seltzer. It's peach and honey, naturally flavored, other natural flavors, so supposedly it's naturally flavored. I really didn't know about the honey part, but I really tasted the peachiness. I guess there's a theme today. I really tasted the peachiness seltzer or sparkling water. Now, supposedly, it doesn't have any sweeteners. And so there's that. And it does have zero calories and zero, zero, zero. So supposedly it doesn't have any sugar added. So, so far so good. It doesn't have any juice in it. But so I guess they must have got the flavor from the peach from somewhere. Supposedly it's natural. Okay. But I really, I didn't know it was the honey in it. And I didn't know it was honey peach. But alright, that's fine. But I really did taste the peach more than the honey. I think I said that, but anyway. Which is good. It's not like one of those fake peachy-ass drinks either. It did taste, you know, like a peach in sparkling water. I really have no complaints about it so far. 
Now, maybe next time, if I know there's honey, maybe I'll notice honey in it, maybe I won't. But the peach definitely is predominant, at least for me. So I really do give that one and a half glasses. Not, not a bad review, just only just because I didn't really notice the honey in it. But that's also fun, because I didn't know it was, so it kind of worked out, I suppose. So, there you go. Moving on, before I repeat myself on that for 20 minutes, because who the hell needs that in life? Okay, so, things have been kind of up and down this week. Ugh, my, my former neighbor's stuff is still there. So, of course, you know, I got most of it because, well, she left it, so well, there you go. So, I have some new furniture that I have put in the house that hopefully doesn't make my house look too cluttered, but actually saves me on buying furniture, so it kind of worked out for me, I suppose. So there's that, and then of course, I mean, I, I, I'm still feeling a little sad over what's this tush, blah, 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 I know. I mean, there's days where I'm good, there's days where I'm not, and of course when it comes to community and so on, oh god, I, I love everybody, I really do, but I realize for me, it's just time for me to go. It's just more of the same, I'll say, and I guess I just have to bite the bullet and just get on with it. I always drag and shit out. I know I can't make anyone do anything. I do know that. I just wish it was different. That's all. Anyway, moving on. Now, we got a quick, some quick things before we go to the main events. So, let me get right to it. Because I caterwaul enough as it is. And yes, I'm aware of it. And I do need to work on it. But, but again, this is... This is part of the charm. This is part of the charm of the show. So... Whew, good lord, I hate spam and emails. And side note, I am so still trying to get my Instagram back. P.S. They keep giving me excuses about the pandemic. So not thrilled. Bastards. Anyway. Anywho, what are you going to do, right? I suppose nothing except me just keep sending it until they do. Which I am doing a show, by the way, side note. On internet safety and... Instagram will be in there soon enough. They're all pain in my ass if you ask me. But, ugh, and it seems it's not just me getting hacked. It's a lot of people, be it spiritual, magical, regular people. All the above. Pains in my ass a whole lot of them. Anyway, I know I am repeating myself like, a, like, like there's no tomorrow. Like that's new. No, it's not. Anyway, so, mm, I don't know. I don't know, I'm just trying to get all this stuff done. It's like, it amazes me how they still don't have that much people during, you know, because of the pandemic, right? Yet and still, they have time to let me know that. But yet, I've been doing it for almost a year, and yet they can't help me. First they bitched that my picture wasn't good enough, basically. Now it's this. Well, I'm going to need them to get off their ass. Stop making excuses and help give me back my account. Say it, it doesn't mean they're gonna do it right away. But I'm just saying. Whatever. I don't know. But 
don't know. I, I really wish people would stop sending junk emails. That's fucking annoying, too. I mean, it's like, for real? Ugh. I, I, I swear, y'all. Not to make this whole show about a complaining-ass session, because like it's way too easy for me, and I'm trying to work on that. But I'm sure y'all know how it is with junk mails and BS and bullshit. And people not helping you when you're getting hacked. Mm, hot mess. Hot, hot mess. I mean, it's just a hot-ass mess like there's no tomorrow. But again, I'm sure many of you have experienced that before. That's the fucking problem. Is that no one does anything when you're happy. You have all these things with the security and shit. But yet, when we need help, no one's willing to help you. It's like, really? Anyway, that is going to be a show. And we're also doing a show on the gin also. So, be ready for that, y'all. Okay. So, let's get back on track. I'm trying to keep the rambling to a minimum. To a minimum. So you know how we do around here. Some things don't always change right away. So, let's get back on track. Okay, and some news that may be good. I don't know. We'll see. We have Katani Brown Jackson. If you don't know who she is, stay tuned. We're going to learn together. Judge Katani Brown Jackson. I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. If I'm not, my apologies. Judge Brown Jackson. What? Continuing. Judge Katani Brown Jackson was confirmed Thursday to become the 116th Supreme Court Justice here. Justice, I should word. Here are key things to know about how today's vote unfolded. Jackson was confirmed by a vote of 53 years and, oh, 53 yays. Oh my god, I gotta learn how to pronounce this shit. My apologies. 53 yays and 47 nays. Pretty close. Three GOP senators crossed party lines and voted for her. That's fascinating. Senators and Senator Mitt Romney of Utah, Susan Collins of Maine, and Lisa. Lord, these damn names, y'all. Morokotsky of Alaska. So I guess they voted for her. That's what I'm understanding if I'm reading that correctly. Sorry if I'm not. Washington, Nixter, the Supreme Court now has a new member in a historic moment. Justice Katani Brown Jackson was sworn in on Thursday. Justice Jackson is the first black woman on the, on the high court. Well, goddamn. Good for her. No, I didn't mean that sarcastically. I mean, good for her. I'm like, okay. That's awesome. I guess that could be some news. Anyway, sorry about that. Rare Fox would hit me up real quick. So, whew. Nothing like the July 4th, huh, y'all? And who? And then other news... Because I just watched Court TV's clip right away. Oh, God. I'm going to say it like this because guys love Vinnie Politan, I suppose, but sometimes he gets my one good nerve and I just want to slap him. 
I do not encourage violence, y'all. Don't get ideas about slapping nobody. I meant that metaphorically speaking. Disclaimer, don't slap nobody. Especially if a podcaster says anything. Oh my goodness. Anyway. Not to yell at you, I'm just saying. Let me just put that disclaimer out, because God knows if I don't, I'm going to be yelled at by some idiot in the world. I don't encourage violence. Just sometimes brings a... Well, no, it's not that bad. He means well, I suppose, but sometimes, just sometimes. But again, I don't encourage violence. Don't do anything stupid. Let's all use good judgment as adults and or young adults or people in general. And I don't want to talk down to nobody because that's dumb. But I'm just saying. Okay. And you can find the clip in Court TV and yourself on YouTube. But basically, the basic headline is this. Slender Man Stabbing. Gotta throw that in there again at this point. Morgan Geezer. Geezer, like old Geezer, but Geezer. Well, is it Geezer? I don't know. I'll spell it because I have a hard time pronouncing this thing's name. G-E-Y, not J-A, not G-A-Y, but G-E-Y, S-E-R, request release. Now, I think she has a 25-year-old, 25-year sentence in the mental ward, or as I like to say, nut house, but that's me. I'm not judging anyone who is in a facility because, you know, sometimes you need the extra help, but I'm just saying, I'm going to call it what it is for me, but that's not making fun of anybody else because that's not right. Anyway, moving on. Now, supposedly, she does have a 25-year sentence, if I'm not mistaking her with the other girl who has a 40-year sentence, but she was already released. Okay. But this one, Morgan is trying to be released, too. I mean, she's been in there, what, eight years, supposedly? Which is... I can't believe it was eight years ago. Let alone, or at least her sentence was eight years. Well, anyway. So, I don't know. I mean... I will put it to you like this. I don't know what to think. I don't. I mean, if they were that mentally, I don't want to say incompetent, but let's say compromised, then I understand why being sentenced to the ward would make sense. I don't begrudge them that. Of course, that's easy for me to say because they didn't kill my child, so I'll say that. On the other hand, I, I, I really don't know if eight years is enough, but then again, is anything enough? I don't know if anything's enough. And of course people are going to say, you know, which I understand, you know, of course the doctors are going to say, you know, she's responding to treatment. Well, I mean, well, I feel like saying, you know, Vinny said that for all the world. I'm like, what do you expect them to say? She's not? I would hope she's responding to treatment. I would also hope that it's not just the doctors who give their testimony, that there's all sides to review. But yeah, I would hope she's responding to treatment. Otherwise, what's the point of her being there? Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't get people sometimes. Again, I don't know if she should be released or not. I, I'm not qualified on any level to say she is or she shouldn't. 
and I'm not, I don't know if I'm qualified or even if I even think she should be there the whole 25 years. I don't know, frankly. Again, real easy for me to say because she didn't kill my child, so that's all easy for me to say. But objectively, as best I know how, looking at it, I don't know what's right. I hope all sides, her side, the prosecution side, everybody's side, looks at it from, from all points and see realistically if she can because, well, even if she's not released now, 25 years, if she serves her full sentence in the ward, she's going to be regardless at some point. Now, whether or not she should be released early, I don't know. Oftentimes in our criminal system, in regular prison, not everyone serves their freaking sentence where they should. And some people shouldn't even have long... Well, anyway, the point is, I don't know. The only thing I hope is I hope every, each side justly, humanely looks at it and determines, in her case, if she should, should, and if she really won't be a danger to anybody else. Or herself. Now, I don't know if she will or she won't. I don't know that. I hope she isn't. I hope she really did get the help she needs. And even though I won't bring back that young girl that died, or was murdered, let's call it what it is, I hope that she can that she can truly outside the war turn her life around and be the best person she can be because unfortunately the other girl doesn't have that chance but if she can well then so be it because the truth is sooner or later she will be out now again I'm gonna say it one more time I don't know if she should or she shouldn't be released right now I don't know and I don't know if she is legitimately responding to treatment or what. I know diddly squat. I don't know if it's a big act. I don't know if it's true. I don't know if it's somewhere in the middle. I know nothing. What I do know is there just needs to be an evaluation on both sides and see what's up. But if she can be released sooner than later, then maybe that's better. I don't know. And I say better with quotation marks because I don't know if that's good. It's never going to bring that girl back. I shouldn't say that girl. I'm sorry. That's so rude. Her victim. I don't know if that's better to say. All I know is either way, she will be out at some point. So the only reason why I think maybe sooner than later is that she can really keep up with her treatment and make some sort of semblance of a life only just because and hope I don't know again I'm going in circles I don't know but again all of this is real easy for me to say because she didn't kill my kid I'm sure I'm sure I'd feel differently if she did let me not lie anyway I, I just hope that there is a true evaluation and it's not just almost oh, going to release her right away kind of deals that it is a true evaluation like I said and that she truly is I don't I don't think you can really be cured of anything like that 
I think that's always going to be with her. But that she can be a fully functioning member of society, I guess, is a slightly better thing to say. And who knows if that's even true. Anyway, that's the only thing I can say about it now. And of course, we all know Ezra is still on the run, blah, blah. They haven't found him yet, or at least they haven't brought him in yet. Or they haven't served him with any warrants or charges, so that's what it is. And apparently on a recap of GH, because this is some funny-ass shit, Carly slaps Nina. Well, the bitch needs to get slapped. <laughs> but that's just my opinion. I don't know. It's all hot, a hot mess to me, if you ask me. Real life, daytime, all of it's nutty. But anyway... Alright, let's get on with the main event because I don't want to sound like I'm rambling any more than I already am, y'all. Yes, I, I do need to work on that. I know it, you know it, the world knows it. But then again, sometimes it's part of my charm. I'm sorry, it just is. Now, of course, as you know, hopefully, I will do my best, because I'm reading from Wikipedia. I will put the link to the article in. So that way you can read it without my commentary and me messing up words. Hopefully it's stuff I can pronounce. But as you know, there's going to be some things I just can't pronounce. And if I can remember it, I'll try and put the video of the child. Well, I'll... Anyway, P.S. The child that she did try to, you know, is alive, was adopted out, and she's speaking... And there's a clip of it from ABC News. I'll, I'll do my best if I can remember to put that link in also. If I can remember. You know, and, and I don't like how people treat her necessarily. She, she hasn't always been treated well, so I don't like that. So I'll do my best to put that in. But anyway, without further ado, because I spent 26 minutes and some odd seconds doing all this caterwauling. Hey, you know, I got, you know how we do around here. So let's get right to it. All right. So the main event today is Roe v. Wade. Oh, Lord. Why am I saying with, with so much enthusiasm? I don't know. <laughs> so we're going to discuss the history of it. Okay. Roe v. Wade started in 1973. Well, that's not really what it says, but it says parenthesis 1973, so I just skipped right to it. Anyway, with a landmark decision of the U.S. Supreme Court and was it... Oh, God damn it. And that's me. Sorry. Was a landmark decision of the U.S. Supreme Court in which the court ruled that the Constitution of the United States generally protects the liberty to choose to have an abortion. Interesting. I'm going to leave it there. All right. The decision was struck down many federal and state abortion laws and fueled an ongoing abortion debate in the U.S. about whether or to what extent abortion should be legal. Who should decide the legality of abortion and what the role of moral and religious views in the political 
spare should be. The decision will also shape debate concerning which methods the Supreme Court should use in constitutional education. Hey, I actually got that word right today. Education! Alright, I'm going to stop right there for five seconds. I know, but I did warn you we're going to have these these commentaries. You know how we do around here anyway. Why am I repeating myself? Because, hey, that's what I do best. That's why. Okay. First to fuck off. How in hell do people in government or anyone who thinks they have the right to tell someone what to do with their fucking body? Look, again, church and state, which I would think all religions and faiths are supposed to be separate from the government. What the fuck? Now, it would be nice if we could have both together. That would be fair as much fair as it can be, that would be fabulous. But no, we've proven we can't do that. So that's why I need to be separate. That's number the fuck one. Number the fuck two. Who in the hell do people think they are telling someone else what to do with their body? I'd be a good goddamn if I think I want someone telling me to do with my body as an adult. Get the fuck out of here. I didn't even allow that shit when I was a kid. Which probably wasn't the smartest idea, but... And I'm not encouraging that, per se, but I'm just making a damn point. So I'd be damned if I'm gonna let someone do it when I'm an adult. Get the fuck out of here! So, again, I'm gonna say this one more time, because this shit been offending me like there's no tomorrow. And I'm one of those people who's always offended. Yes, I'm a snowflake sometimes. I admit it. Bitch. I'm not calling you a bitch in the sun. But Bitch. See, I other people's wounds. Listen, I, and, I had to, and I had to put some thought into this shit, too. One, even if my views on abortion change tomorrow, and I still sure as shit would not want the right to tell someone else what to do with their fucking body as a regular person or a lay person, or in government particularly. Fuck that shit. Even if my views on abortion did change tomorrow, magically somewhere in some alternate universe. No! I'd be like, well, I may not agree with it, but it's not my decision. Next case. As Kaya would say. The fuck? Get the fuck out of here. Anyway, moving on before I ramble on about that for 20 ass minutes. Hey, again, you know how we do it, right? Anyway, the case was brought by Norma if I'm pronouncing her name correctly, McCorvey. McCorvey. Hey, I think I got another one, y'all. Anyway, <laughs> known by the legal synonym, not cinnamon, pseudonym, pseudonym, hey, I got it, y'all. Pseudonym, Jane Rowe. I don't know why I'm like that, but fuck it. Who in 1969 became pregnant with her third child, McCorvey child, McCorvey won an abortion wanted an abortion. But she lived in Texas. Anyway, I'm gonna continue before I go on and read about that. But she lived in a, but she lived in Texas where abortion was illegal. Of course she did. Except when necessary to save the mother's life. Her attorneys, Sarah Weddington Yeah, I think it's Weddington. Like wedding with you know, with ton. So Weddington. Oh got another one. Alright. And Linda Coffee. 
filed a lawsuit on her behalf, on her behalf in U in U.S. federal court against her local district attorney. Good for them. Henry Wade, alleging that Texas abortion laws were unconstitutional because they were, and they probably are now. Bitches. Sorry, but you know, but you know it's true. Anyway, in my opinion, oh my God, if I don't say that. I'm sorry. Shit like this just pisses me off sometimes, so I'm going to be giving more commentary than I probably should. Please forgive me. That's why I'm giving a link to the article so you can read it without my bullshit. Anyway, moving on. A special three-judge court of the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Texas heard the case and ruled in her favor. The parties appealed this ruling to the Supreme Court on July 22nd, 1973. The Supreme Court issued a 7-2 decision holding the, that, to do the, that the due process class clause of the 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution provides a fundamental right to privacy, which protects a woman's right which protects a woman's right to an abortion, as it should, P.S. Oh, that's not an article I added that in. Just so you know. The court also held the right to abortion is not absolute and must be balanced against the government's interest in protecting women's health and parental life. Oh, prenatal life, excuse me. The court resolved these competing interests by announcing a pregnancy trimester. Right, okay, what's wrong with that? Nothing. Timetable to govern all the abortion regulations in the United States. Right, okay, that's fine, that makes sense. Right, Prime, uh, pregnancy trimester timetable to govern all abortion regulations in the United States. Okay, so let me turn right there correctly. Okay, the court also classified the right to an abortion as fundamental which require courts to evaluate challenge abortion laws under the strict scrutiny standard, the most strictest level of judicial review in the United States. Okay. The Supreme Court's decision to enroll was among the most controversial in U.S. history. Funny how things come back to the same bullshit. Anyway, Roe was criticized by some in the legal community including some in support of abortion rights who thought that Roe reached the correct result but went about it the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Some call the decision a form of judicial not judicial, but judicial activism. Okay, there we go. Hey, I got it. Others argue that Roe did not go far enough. As it was placed within the framework of civil rights rather than the broader human rights. I'm just going to say, why not do it both? But that's just me. Again, I wasn't there. Who am I to judge? Maybe now I'll have to do both. Anti-abortion politicians and activists sought for decisions to restrict abortion or overrule the decision. Polls mm -hmm. into the 21st century showed that a polarity in the majority, especially into the late 2010s to early 2020s, opposed overruling Roe. 
despite criticism of the decision, the Supreme Court reaffirmed Roe's central holding in its, in its 1992 decision, Planned Parenthood versus Casey. Although Casey overruled Roe's trimester framework and abandoned Roe's strict scrutiny standard in favor of an undue burden, burden test, on July 24th, uh, yeah, today, well, not today, but you know, last month, 2022, the Supreme Court overruled Roe and Dobbs v. Jackson's Women's Health Organization on the grounds the right to abortion was not deeply rooted in, the, in its nation's history or tradition. Really? I guess. It was not considered a right. I was like, excuse me? But okay. When the Due Process Clause was ratified in 1868, it was only on U.S. law until Roe. This view was disputed. Good Lord, disputed by some law historians and criticized by the dissenting opinion. Argued that that many other rights, such as contraception, interracial marriage, same-sex intimacy, and same-sex marriage, did not exist with, within with when the Due Process Clause was ratified in 1868. Now, as a side note, maybe it should have. Again, I'm just making armchair quarterbacking. I, I know, but still, I'm still gonna say it anyway. The decision was supported and opposed by the anti-abortion and abortion rights movement in the United States, respectively, and was gen- generally condemned by international observers and foreign leaders. I bet it was. <sighs> Good Lord, that was a whole lot, y'all. Okay, I'm going to read a little bit more, and then we're just going to go from there. Because this is a whole lot here, and I don't know how much of this shit I'm going to read, because, quite frankly, it sounds like a whole lot of mess. But important, so. Alright. I'll read the history and background in a minute. But i got to be serious, y'all, for a second. I really do love I love, just, 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 just love how people think they have the right to tell other people what to do with their bodies or who they're in love, or who they're in love with or who they have sex with. Long as you're an adult, of course. I really love that. I really do. It, it, it's some BS if I've ever heard it. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. I'll say it again, who the fuck are you? tell anyone to do with their bodies or who they fall in love with or who they want to marry or have sex with or divorce for that matter kiss my ass I don't like a lot of things people do doesn't mean I have the right to go tell them not to do it as long as it's not mass murder or anything which no one cares enough about that yet we care about you know the unborn which I guess is nice in, in theory if we cared about everybody but we really don't let's cut that shit out real quick Anyway, alright, I'm just going to read this one, the, some of the last part, because it gets all kind of long here. And quite frankly, 
I will get the link in anyway. I said that shit already. Moving on. History of abortion laws in the United States. I think this is important. According to historian James C. Moore, I think it's Moore, right? Moore, M-O-H-R, there was an earlier acceptance of abortion in a, in a opposition to abortion, including anti-abortion laws, only came into being in the 19th century. Fascinating. It was not always a crime and was generally not illegal until quickening. which occurred between the fourth and sixth months of pregnancy. Right, that makes sense. Right, that, that, and that's another thing, FYI. I don't think any doctor even now would do an abortion if the baby, you know, is a baby. In very rare cases, like there's health issues, but yeah, normally they don't. Especially since what I heard from my friends, so I was like, what are people talking about? Okay. Which, like I said, which occurred during the fourth and sixth months of pregnancy. Yeah, that, that's what I learned definitely don't happen even now. Or shouldn't happen now, unless there's a medical issue. But otherwise, yeah. Once that baby is a baby, well, yeah, you're, you can't have one anyway. Anyway, in 1821, yeah, I know, I kind of repeat those three things a few times just because I want to drive it home. Moving on, Connecticut passed a first state statute legislating abortion in the United States. It forbade the use of poisons in abortion. Okay. After the 1840s, there was an upsurge in abortion in the 19th century the medical profession was generally opposed to abortion. Mm-hmm. Which Mohor argues it rose to, to comp- competition between men with medical degrees and women without without one. Oh, it's one of those bullshit things. Okay. Such as Madam... Oh, Lord, this, I'm going to have to spell this, y'all, because I'm not even going to try and butcher her name. D-R-U-N-E-T-T-E. The practice of abortion was of the first medical specialty and was practiced by unlicensed people. Well-off people had abortions and paid well. The press played a key role in rallying support for anti-abortion laws. I bet they did. According to James S. Witherspoon, Witherspoon, a former briefing attorney for the Court of Appeals for the Third Supreme Judicial or Judical District of Texas. Here we go with Texas again. Abortion was not legal before quickening in 27 out of all 37 states in 1868. By the end of 1883, 30 of the 37 states, 6 of the 10 U.S. territories, and the Kingdom of Hawaii. I'm going to have to go into a history about that one, though. Where abortion had once been common had codified laws that restricted abortion before quickening. More than 10 states allowed pre-quickening abortions before the quickening distinction was eliminated. Every state had anti-abortion laws by 1900. Anyway, 
According to Leslie J. Reagan, or Reagan, a professor of history in the law at the University of Illinois, pre-quickening abortions were legal under common law, like in early more modern England, and widely accepted in practice in the early United States. In the United States, before specific statutes were made against it, abortion was sometimes considered a common law offense, such as by William Blackstone and James Wilson. In all states throughout the 19th and early 20th century, pre-quickening abortions were always considered to be actions without a lawful purpose. This, this meant that if the mother died, the individual performing the abortion was guilty of murder. This aspect of common law regarded a pre-quickening abortion as a type of, if I'm pronouncing this word right, illicit, illicit, not inconsiderate, but I'm going to spell it because I'm missing something here. I-N-C-H-O-A-T-E, offense. Negative liberty rights from common law do not apply in situations caused by consensual or voluntary behavior which allowed for abortions of fetuses conceived in a consensual manner to be common law offenses. The majority opinion for Roe v. Wade authored in Justice Henry Blackmore's name would rather state that the criminalization of abortion did not have roots in the England, English common law tradition and was thought to return to the more permissive state of 1820s abortion law. One purpose of banning abortion was to preserve the life of the fetus. Mm -hmm. Another was to protect the life of the mother. Mm -hmm. Another was to create was to create deterrence against future abortion laws. And another was to avoid injuring the mother's ability to have children. Judges did not always distinguish between which purpose was more important. Really? Well, if it really was about life, then oh, forget it. Rather than arresting the women having the abortions, legal officers, officials, if I'm pronouncing one of that word right, were more likely to interrogate them to obtain evidence against the individual doing the abortions. This law enforcement strategy was a response to injuries which refused to convict women prosecuted for abortion in the 19th century. Justice Blackmore's opinions say that the restrictive criminal abortions in effect in a majority of states today are relatively recent vintage. I'll bet. By 1971, elective abortion on demand was effectively available in Alaska, California, Hawaii, New York, Washington, and Washington, D.C. Some women traveled to jurisdictions where it was legal although not all could afford to. And in 1971, Shirley Wheeler was charged with manslaughter after Florida hospital staff reported her illegal abortion to the police. I bet they did. Wheeler was one of the few women who was prosecuted for their state, by their states for abortion. She received a sentence of two years probation and, and as an option under her probation, chose to move back into her parents' house in North Carolina. The Playboy Foundation donated $3,500 to her defense fund, and, the Play and Playboy denounced her prosecution. 
as they should. The Boston Women's Abortion Coalition raised money and held a rally where attendings, attendees listened to speakers from the Women's National Abortion Action Coalition. In other words, W-O-N-A-A-A-C. Her conviction was overturned by the Supreme Court of Florida. Well, I'm happy about that. And then we have a picture of Rose Fosco, who before 1968 posed as a woman seeking an abortion during sting operation for the Chicago Police Department. As an undercover officer, she worked to break up illegal abortion rights. I bet she did. Okay. We're going to read one more thing before we close the show. And the rest of the things that are here, you can read for yourself when I give the link. Okay, I know I keep saying that, but I just want to make sure everyone knows. All right, let's continue. History of the case. Sarah Weddington, Weddington, there we go, recruited Linda Coffey to help her with an abortion legislation. Their first plaintiffs were a married couple. They joined after the women woman heard Coffey give a speech. The intended suit would state abortions were medically necessary for the woman. The woman had a neurochemical disorder and it was considered medically necessary that she not give birth or raise children. Yet, they did not want to abstain from sex. Well, who does? And contraception might fail. Yeah, sometimes it does. The attorneys were concerned about standing, standing since the woman was not pregnant. Wennington later wrote that they needed to find a pregnant Texas woman who wanted an abortion and would be willing to be a plaintiff. Well, that actually would make sense, actually. They also want to increase the likelihood that the panel selection would help them win in court. They wanted to present their case to three-judge panel, which included a judge they thought would be sympathetic, and which is only a possibility of firing, filing a case in Dallas. I'll give them that one. If either of the two cases were filed in te- Dallas were signed, fa- were signed favorably, they intend to ask for the other one to be considered consolidated with it. Yeah, okay. At first, she was unsuccessful in finding a suitable pregnant woman in June 1969. 21-year-old Norma Mc- oh, here we go. Norma McCorvette, good lord, I'm probably pronouncing that damn name, <laughs> discovered she was pregnant with her third child. Ordinarily, lawyers are not allowed to directly solicit clients without any prior relationship. But McCorvette's situation qualified for an exception in the no solic- solicitation rule, which allows lawyers to, which, which allows lawyers to solicit new clients for public interest cases. According to a sworn statement made in 2003, McCorvey asked if she had what was needed to be part of a Wellington and Coffee lawsuit. She recounted being told, yes, you're white, you're young, pregnant, and want an abortion. Both McCorvey's witnesses, whiteness and her lower social class were, cr- were critical or crucial factors in the attorney's choice to have her as the plaintiff, as their plaintiff. 
McCorvey recounted that the lawyers asked if she thought abortion should be legal. McCorvey said she did not know. Weddington told her that she has a piece of tissue. You missed your period. This, con this convinced McCorvey that abortion should be legal. She agreed to let them represent her under the impression that she would be able to eventually get an illegal abortion. Or get a legal abortion, excuse me. She smoked an illegal drug and drank wine so she would not have to think about her pregnancy. McCorvey gave birth to her daughter at Dallas. I'm going to spell it. O-S-T-E-O-P-T-H-I-C. Hospital on June 2nd, 1970. The baby, Shirley Lynn Thornton, was adopted by a couple in Texas. In 1970, Coffey and Weddington filed Roe v. Wade as a lawsuit in the U.S. District Court for the Nor Northern District of Texas on behalf of McCorvey under the legal pseudonym Jane Roe. And they also filed Doe's v. Wade on behalf of the married couple. The defendant for both, ca the defendant for both cases was Dallas County District Attorney Henry Wade. Who represented the Texas state of represented the state of Texas? Excuse me, I'm reversing my words again. <laughs> Whittington later stated that as she saw Roe as part of a much larger effort by many attorneys whose collective interests she represented. James H. Halford was a physician who was in the process of being prosecuted for performing two abortions. The court allowed him to join the suit as a physician interview, interviewer, interviewer, intervener, intervener, physician intervener, on behalf of Jane Rowe. One of the cases was assigned to a panel of judges, which included Judge Sarah T. Hughes, who thought they would be sympathetic, and the case were and the cases were consolidated in accordance with the court rules. Two of the judges hearing the consolidated cases were assigned on the basis of their judicial or judicial district. And the third judge on the panel was a circuit court judge, chosen by the appellate chief justice of the United States. The consolidated lawsuit was heard by a three-judge panel consisting of district court judges Sarah T. Hughes and William McLaughlin, if I'm not pronouncing it wrong, Taylor Jr., and appellate judge Irving, I'm going to spell it, L-O-V-B, gave Wellington and Coffee hope they would be successful. On the June 17, 1970, the three judges unanimously ruled in McCarvey's favor and declared the Texas law unconstitutional, finding that it, it violated the rights of privacy found in the Ninth Amendment. The court relied on Justice Arthur Goldberg's 1965 concurrence in Grisland v. Connecticut, G-R-I-S-W-O-L-D. Yet the court has declined to grant an injunction against enforcing the law and ruled against married couples on the basis that they lack standing. Since Wade said he would continue to prosecute people for performing, for, 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 performing abortions, the lack of an injunction meant that McCarvey could not get an abortion. Alrighty then. That was a whole lot. 
that was definitely informative, more than I thought it would. I hope everyone learned something, because I sure as hell did. I read a little bit of this before I came on. But, so, hopefully it helped with not pronouncing too many words wrong. Anyway, I hope everyone has a good day, to the best of your ability, and we all learned something. And, well, I gave you every the information before, so I hope everyone has a good week. Thank you. And we'll be doing other topics soon, and I might even do a little bit of Constitution podcast at some point, or read a little bit of the Constitution. And there you go. Anyway, stay tuned. There's more to come. Take care. Bye-bye.